week in racing. It's time to recap it. And who better to do it than Michael New Magic? Two bros slash pros who cover the highs and lows of racing around the globe on every one of their shows. Real fans look forward to these guys and their last thoughts because they know they're not talking out of their royal ascot. What they say makes sense. So ladies and gents, sit back and relax as Blinkers Off presents The Magic Mike Show, where you hear the experts speak The Magic Mike Show, tune into the show every week The Magic Mike Show, you can trust the show is the bomb Because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com What's up everybody, I'm Magic And I'm Mike (laughs) Sorry about that Thought I had that all set up, didn't there's a little pop-up that happened at the last second. It's the Magic Mike Show. Hey. Episode Mr. Samich. Huzzah! There we go. Hey, sorry about that. Hey, listen, uh, we're a little thrown off because of just the wild weekend we had. You're just now recovering from everything in Monmouth Park, but we had a fun weekend to talk about, buddy. It's going to be exciting. It's been a while since we did a recap show, hasn't it? Like, I feel like we, we've been doing the pick five on a Wednesday and this and that, and we're going to go to Canterbury. We're going to go to, uh, you know, Horseshoe, Indiana, and Saratoga pick five and all that kind of stuff because it's been a while since we've really had one of these massive weekends. And, and with Delmar opening up, we've got some graded stakes there. Saratoga obviously just pumping the graded stakes out. A lot of uh, big-time Breeders' Cup horses to talk about there. And cannot forget five graded stakes over at Monmouth Park, including the grade one Haskell, which uh, there's quite a bit to, as you'd like to say, unpack in that race as well, uh, just with how some of the horses finish, some of the rides, and uh, the fact that Jack Christopher can't get two turns even when you pick the right track for him. Hey! Oh, that was good. Hey, that was uh, it was fun. We got a lot to talk about. Uh, Jason says glad to see magic still has a job yeah aaron uh aaron was at the paddock bar at saratoga if you didn't know on saturday and he saw jason and uh, anytime i would say something to aaron he'd say if you do that i'll effing fire you so uh yes <laughs> so jason says good to see you didn't actually doing those things yeah um we aaron was at saratoga aaron actually was originally going to join us uh his mom's flying into town and her flight got delayed so he's not going to be with us so We'll have to uh, step in for him because there were a couple races at Saratoga, even though like the main focus wasn't there. They still kind of took some of the focus, Mike. Oh, well, man, I mean, yeah, obviously we're going to talk about Ness today, who absolutely freaked, and that's that's going to be something that, that moving forward, that's going to be a very, very important horse. You have to also have Malafat. So a lot of these older fillies that we saw at Saratoga are going to be important for that Breeders' Cup run, should say Clarier, because screw Malafat at this point. Um, so Saratoga still brings the heat, even when you have these other days. It was interesting. I'd never been to Monmouth before, made the trek, was on the ABR live show, and uh, absolutely absolute blast at Monmouth surprised that there weren't more people there for that day. I thought that it would be like just wildly packed. Uh, this is the first year they haven't allowed coolers into the grandstand area. So the Uh-oh. picnic area where you can still bring coolers was raging. The grandstand area was like kind of casual. It's kind of nice. I'm not going to lie for a big day of racing. You're like, Oh, I can kind of walk around here. It's only too deep to bet right now. It was uh it was pretty solid. I dabbled a little with the fixed odds thing. It's, it's pretty cool. Uh, they're talking about bringing it to other States. So Colorado sounds like they're next. I was able to talk to those guys for a while about it. I would love to see that across the board because they're going to a lot. They're trying to allow fixed odd parlays, meaning that you can make your own pick five in a card, which I think would be really cool. Or even your own cross country pick five. If all the States and tracks were allowing it, which, to me, as someone who's like, hey, bet your big opinions, pick your spots, imagine you can be like, okay, I'm just going to play the five singles I like today at Saratoga, Del Mar, you know, Parks, Canterbury, and you're just putting it all together and making your own pick five ticket would be pretty awesome. That's incredible. That would be great. Yeah, literally just like a buffet style. Just I want this one and I want that. Or like the, the sushi places with the revolving <laughs> uh, sushi going by. I'm hungry. Sushi That's bar. why I brought that up. 
Oh, oh, that, I got I to gotta say this too. So we went to a sushi restaurant in New Jersey and my, my expectations were pretty low. It was in a strip mall, like pretty much every restaurant in New Jersey, which is wild. Okay. Uh, but they had rolled ice cream, which generally is a good thing when you go to a sushi restaurant because that's a, a very authentic Japanese thing. Sushi was phenomenal, phenomenal. But the best part was, you know what, how we got our sushi? It came on a robotic cat named Betty that literally rolled up with the sushi tray. So the, the sushi chefs cut it up, put it on the, put it inside the cat, and the cat goes to the table and delivers it to your table, and the waitress comes over and just hands it to you. It was phenomenal. It's on my, it's on my wife's Instagram. It's phenomenal. I'll send you the video. Komodo brick? Is that it? Muzu. Muzu sushi. And, Muzu. Uh, I guess there's yeah. a couple now that do that. But... Yeah. Oh, Pretty yeah. Cool, the first man. one was, wow. Yeah. Well, that, they, I'm reading this now. They did it. They started it to uh, to do contactless delivery to their patrons during COVID. All right, now that's pretty awesome. That that's yeah. like who that's knew? How they came up with that middle of nowhere, New Jersey. Well, not middle of nowhere by Ocean Park, New Jersey. But you know, New Jersey that they're going to have this cool of a, a sushi restaurant and strip mall. So highly recommend Muzu Sushi if you're ever going to Monmouth Park. It's very very good. Monmouth Park in general, very awesome. The parking was easy. Getting in was easy. Uh, the atmosphere was very cool. A lot of younger people, to be honest. Like I was surprised how young the crowd was. Um, and then the racing, obviously phenomenal, which we'll talk about here. Well, let's not waste any time, Mike. We got a lot of people, a lot of fans in the chat. Great to see you there. Uh, it's going to be a fun, interactive show. So throw us your opinions in there. And we're going to start with Mammoth Park, buddy. Riders up. All right, Mike, uh, Monmouth Park, a massive 14-day card, the biggest day of the year for them. And we're going to skip ahead. We're going to start with race eight. That's the first graded stakes race. Uh, this was the Monmouth Cup stakes, and it's an important one to start with because highly motivated wins it. No surprise, this started the cross-country pick five. You and I both singled him. Uh, the correct move here. The first of four straight graded stakes races that Chad Brown and Flavian Pratt won together. But the reason this is important, there was a track record set going a mile and an eighth. And this was before the Haskell where we thought there's probably better horses overall in the Haskell. So when Highly Motivated not only wins this but scorches the track, what was your opinion on the matter and kind of, you know, the feeling at the track? I mean, well, first off, they announced track record. Everyone's like, oh, wow, like a big surprise, right? What I thought was surprising from a track record, if you go back to like Keeneland, where you saw that that consistent track record being broken uh, during that, that unique summer meet and then again over the Breeders' Cup weekend – Almost all of them were wire-to-wire track records, right, where the, the trap is playing very fast and speed was very, very good. Monmouth was fair. I mean, all day, it was fair. I mean, you had a fast track. They were moving, but it was fair. So it was, it was interesting because you had that kind of concrete, quick dirt track without the speed bias, which I thought was nice to see on one of these big days. And, like, we've, we've seen a lot of speed bias in some of these big days, so it's good to see the opposite of it. Uh, just from this race perspective, I, I thought this is a really impressive race. Breaking from the seven, you can see we're sitting three wide here. Uh, going into the first turn, it's not really what uh, Highly Motivated wanted to do. And so you kind of have to then find your way toward the middle back of the pack, but never really gets to the inside at all. Never saves a lick of ground here um, and is, is able to just run by and get the job done. From a betting perspective, you either had to be seven or six here. It really didn't make ton of sense to be anywhere else. And yes, they're chalky, but those are the two horses that made sense. And you had to pick one if you're playing that cross-country sequence. Luckily, we both picked the seven and moved on. Um, but this is just a good race from Highly Motivated. I, I think this is probably the right level, though. I don't really want to see Highly Motivated try to go into grade one company. 
Right. And I think this was not only that, but I think with his breeding, uh, he's by into mischief out of Warrior's Charge, a Warrior's Reward. Um, and so to me, that just says like he's a good miler, mile in the 16th if we're going two turns. Mile in an eighth versus this field, he got the win. But if he goes mile in an eighth, even another grade three, uh, but against horses that are better than what he saw here, uh, better than Pipeline, yeah, he's a play against for me. Uh, if you were looking big picture, would you maybe target Breeders' Cup mile with this dirt mile if you're Chad Brown? Man, it'd be tough. I think that's a little over his head, to be honest with you. You, you might have some. I mean, Jack Christopher, we're going to talk about here, is a dirt mile horse now, right? Can we all agree he's going Breeders' oh, Cup yeah, Mile? That's right. I mean, and so do you really want to go into that race against Jack Christopher? Now, one comes from behind, one speed. So maybe there is some beneficial value to be saying, hey, we're going to run both there. But I, I just feel like he's a step below grade one company. I think grade twos are great for him. I, I think grade threes are great for him. But the, the grade one company, I mean, look, he beat Pipeline. He didn't beat him impressively, but he beat him pretty handily here. Pipeline's kind of that same thing where I want him in grade twos, grade threes. I'm not really looking for him to stretch into a grade one. Highly motivated, like you said to me, is a fade horse if we start facing a little bit better. We do step up into that grade one company because I think he's going to still take money, especially off a new track record effort and a nice number that came back here. Um, so I, I have some interest in playing against him if he goes up and singling if he stays here or goes down. Uh, I'm going to, I think they'll uh, go to, not that it's necessarily the best decision. I do think they target the dirt mile if they can keep him healthy. Uh, I talked about it when we previewed the cross country pick five. He's not only owned by Clarevich Stables, which is Chad Brown's uh, number one owner. They're bred by Clarevich Stables. So that with literally the Breeders' Cup, there's all sorts of incentives for breeders there. Um, they love it when homebreds come into the Breeders' Cup. So uh, watch where he goes. Buyer figure wise, you know, pretty much right around where he's at. He's, he's a mid, mid-90s buyer, cat, pipeline. You know, that 104 we thought was a little bit much last time out. Mid 90s seems about the right fit for him, and then you see informative the old battle informative right there about 90. So, buyer wise, kind of what you expected to see here, yeah. I mean, this is kind of what we projected, right? Is that that pipeline number was a little faulty, and that that was going to obviously regress. You kind of expect highly motivated to run his race, he's consistent, can't, can't knock him for that. Um, and against this group, that was that was good enough, right? And this was just outside of the seven and the six, there wasn't much in this race. And so it was really how, who do you like between pipeline and highly motivated? And then hopefully you end up on the right horse in this spot. This is one of those like cold exactas, which $3 and 30 cents, three and a half to one almost seems like a steal going seven, six here because of how little was in behind this one. This is one of those tournament plays where you want to hammer this type of exacta because you're getting, you know, three and a half to one. That's a, that's a seven to two shot that, that in this case, to me, was a lot less than seven to two that you're seeing those two run to one, one, two. Uh, pipeline too worth kind of noting on him that big 104 buyer he got he did go gate to wire he didn't have that chance to do that here with sitting behind so we'll move on the matchmaker stakes a grade three race uh fluffy and pratt wins it for chad brown the mystic getting the job done over fluffy socks vigilante's way is always tough at monmouth park as well not a whole lot to take from this was it at least entertaining to watch when you're at the track yeah, I mean, it was. It, I thought this was a really fun race. I mean, you had Fluffy Socks was trying to make a move. Lemonista, I mean, Flat Flavian Pratt rode this race beautifully. I thought this was one of his more impressive rides um, on the weekend to get uh, Lemonista home here. I was rooting for Vigilante's way on the outside, just wasn't quite able to close the ground. Um, but yeah, all in all, I thought this was a, a good race, not a great race. Again, this was felt like the horses were spotted correctly. Fluffy Socks, still a horse I'm probably going to be playing against more often than not uh, from a win perspective because this horse seems to get bet every time and doesn't win as much as I'd like to see. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, to me, Lemonista is probably, it was nice to see Lemonista get somewhere back close to that debut in America as well, which I think was really impressive. And we saw a regression since then. I'm interested to see where Chad Brown sends this horse next. If he's like, Hey, we're going to start to try and ramp this horse back up because of how good Lemonista was on debut. And then kind of 
flattened out a little bit after that. What this really is bad for is, uh, if you remember, th these were the different order, but the second, third, and fourth place finishers for the local prep for this race, uh, there was one gate to wire by another Sugar McGahey horse that was like eight to one, Stolen Holiday. You weren't getting eight to one on Stolen Holiday again anyway. Uh, when these horses all come back to run like this, Mike, you're definitely not getting that. But be wary of where these horses go. They're now beating up on each other at Monmouth Park when Saratoga's already happening just uh, across the border. So uh, I'm with you. A fun race, but... And not a lot to take out of it other than, you know, the horses beating up on each other at Monmouth Park. We'll turn it off. Bye, Lumista. Nice seeing you. We won't see you win. Uh, the Molly Pitcher Stakes search results. Chad Brown, Flavian Pratt get the job done. This one was a pretty big runaway win here. And, again, I don't know what we really learned from this. Mike, what did you think? I think we learned a lot from this. Um, to be fair. Like, I, I actually was really impressed with search results here. If you pull up the replay, search results last time out, we saw this horse go a mile and 16th. That was a one-turn mile and a 16th, right? Never seen this horse really go that that two-turn distance, or at least more mm -hmm. recently, when trying to stretch out with Chad Brown. Obviously, we have those races back. We were trying to lead up to the, the Oaks. This was the most impressive race I'd see from search results because everything goes wrong here. You get pressure from the inside. You don't make the lead. You get pressure from the outside. You can't really make the lead. Now you're going to be pushed three wide into this first turn and never really get comfortable from that perspective. So you got a horse that's going two turns for the first time in a while who's forced three wide here, three wide on the second turn, and really just demolishes this field. And I don't think Bonnie South's a bad horse. Who's a seven horse who's trying to close late here and get up and, and was a little too far back. Had a little too much to do, but that's mainly because search results ran away from this field. So I felt like a, like search results didn't get this, did an easy trip at all and had to work through every step of this and still was able to win impressively. So I, it's going to be interesting to see what, this is what you wanted to see from Jack Christopher, literally this race. He wasn't able to do it. Search results was able to get it done. I guess that so, but back to Bonnie South, not only is she far behind, but you see they went 24 flat and then they picked it up a little bit. But Bonnie South, you said way too far back, and for them to be going that uh, that slowly, it is impressive. I forgot that she was three wide, so I'm glad you brought that up to, to both turns to be able to do this. Um, you know, Army Wife gets second, she's a, a good, you know, grade three, two turn dirt horse. Bonnie South is kind of probably in that pace too, so. Uh, an interesting effort, but again, we see Chad Brown, Flavian Pratt, the Clarevich Stable Silks rolling it up at Monmouth Park. Uh, I'll keep it on here. Sorry, we I mean, just watch the watch her take off. See yeah. that cut in right there? What what Flavian Pratt just did with that horse? Remember that move? We're going to talk about that in a little bit uh, because that was a. I mean, she was already winning, but that was a very important move from a jockey that, for whatever reason, Mike didn't have a Mountain Haskell stakes. Can't figure that out. I could think of someone who probably would have rid, rode into vict ridden to victory if he did. Um, yeah, that yeah. next same move that I'm talking about right there, search results maybe, yeah. That was a very good race from search results. And I don't want that to get lost in it because you're right. This is not that like, oh, well, amazing race. That was, that was to me, more impressive than the mile and 16 she ran against Latruska because she just kind of held on in that race. It's a bigger number for that, but came back here and was able to go two turns and really face pressure both inside, outside, be three wide on both turns and still run away from this field. So taking a look here at her uh, past performances, she did win and go to mile and an eighth at Aqueduct as a three-year-old in the Gazelle Stakes. And if you remember that really epic battle in the stretch between Irad on search results and then Johnny V on Malathat in the Kentucky Oaks last year. So, uh, yeah, it's nice to see her stretch back out. Two turns. Uh, do you aim for the distaff with her? I don't see why not. It's going to be interesting. I mean, that, that might be where we're pushing it. But, again, like, again, the Oaks – says that she can get the distance that she this right. wouldn't it wouldn't be a problem so maybe it is i, I mean it, it, that's going to be a really the oaks is going to be fun man i mean everyone's talking about nest obviously um for good reason but that, i think the oaks is going to be an absolute blast of a race if you get some of these horses back and this the earliest pace could matter a lot too i mean last year in the distaff we saw them just 
collapse after this wild early pace set up a, a bomb horse from Japan to come over and get a monster number home and Malathat to disappoint yet again. Um, we could have the same type of setup where there's a ton of speed back in there and all of a sudden it's wide open. It'll be a lot of fun if we, we do end up with that, that nice big field in the distaff. Uh, I'm curious that she's nearing a return based on her works, Latruska, to see how she comes back. Remember last time we saw her, she threw in the towel hard at, uh, what, three to five in that race. So uh, we'll see how she comes back. She's a major pace presence. If she ends up not coming back and wanting to keep racing this year and they retire her before the Breeders' Cup, uh, the pace in here gets a lot more interesting with, with uh, Latruska, the speed demon out of here. Two more races at Monmouth to talk about, Mike. The United Nations take the first of two grade one races at Amo. Finally! Finally got it on home, Mike. I was really excited until I saw after the race the three to one price I thought I had on him when he went in the gate. He was nine to five. Kind of lost that a little bit, but Adamo got the job done. Uh, epic bromance temple. It was kind of a run in place a little bit race here. So, what did you think about it? I uh, well, look, Adamo, like the, the move on the turn was really impressive here. Once he got loose, he, he looked like a monster being able to go around there. Tribuvin just not able to recreate the magic that we saw uh, last time out uh, in the Manhattan. Uh, Gufo just way too much to do, wasn't able to get anywhere close to, to the lead here. He's not uh, on the screen right now. We're in the it's far wild. turn. It's wild how far back Gufo was. Like, it's just, I, I and I don't. I, like you can't say, oh, Rosario gave him a bad ride because he was so far back. The horse is just kind of slow, and so this sometimes happens. Mom, the stretch not big enough to make up the ground, and Gufo not fast enough to run into these horses who came home pretty good. I mean, if you go and you look at the three quarter to that mile time, they they were hustling there, mm -hmm. um, and so it's not like they were going slowly here. And and look, at Hamo finally able to get the job done. You mentioned the price. I mean, we were talking about this on the live show. I didn't have any interest in betting any of these three horses to win. When <laughs> you like, you got five to two on on, uh, or you got two to one here on. Uh, Tribuvin, you've got two to one on Gufo, you've got nine to five on Adamo. All those seem like bad prices, uh, you yeah. know. And, and it was one of those situations where, okay, he's trying to get through the multi leg stuff. Unfortunately, I didn't use Adamo, I kind of wish I did in hindsight, though it wouldn't have mattered because I didn't use Cyberknife. I had, but I would have actually made the next race we're going to talk about hurt a lot more. Um, but it, this is one of those where, you know, Adamo found the right field today. Really, this was a three horse race, it got bet like that. Um, and he ended up having a, a very, very short price winner that probably should have paid a little more win. And now is going to be a really short price again next time. It's going to be one of those, hey, do you fade Adamo next time? Because he's going to be the favorite pretty much wherever he goes yep. after being Tribuvin and winning this race impressively at 9-5. to five. So it's like, you ready to swallow 7-5 to five on this horse next time, Magic? No. Oh, absolutely not. No, this was the time, Mike. I told you, we got him. And he got that grade one win, and I'm out. <laughs> I'm cashing. This is like when Rock Emperor finally got that grade one win. That was the time to cash out all of your Rock Emperor chips, whatever you got left. Um, I got done with this on the live reaction on the YouTube channel. I said the most impressive horse to me was Gufo, and I never said that in my life. Uh, Gufo impressed me because look at the fractions, 24.7, 48.8. It speeded up a little bit, but that also just further shows how strong Gufo ran here. I mean, look how far back he is. He's got that white blaze, which is real easy to catch there. But they're this far back, and he's got not a super long stretch to try and make up ground, and yet he's still going to be able to get a lot closer than he probably should have. Tribuvin hits a wall right there. He, he was really struggling to change leads, but the top three, four finishers are going to be Temple, Gufo, uh, Adamo, uh, Epic Bromance. They're all – or, or Tribuvin, they were all top four early there. Like, they were all right in that early mix, and then here comes Gufo right at the end, almost gets fourth. Uh, Gufo's going to go to the Sword Dancer hopefully next. Uh, I think that horse, if he gets some damn pace to chase, man, I think I might play Gufo on top of that race. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of crazy, man. I think they, he was 16 lengths out, uh, 15 lengths out, according to the chart. At the at mid turn there, I mean, so just to try and make up that much ground is absolutely wild. I mean, it's just it's so difficult to try and make up anywhere near that. Um, this I'll have to pull it up manually here. Uh, goof, yeah, fifteen. He went from nine links at this stretch call to two and a half behind. Like, yeah, what? It's a good close, but they they went quick. They they like Adhama was impressive here with the final time. It, he didn't slow down that much. If you go into that, if you go to uh, incremental pace, they'll show you what the horses actually ran. I mean, Adhamo comes home 23, 23, 12. And, and Gufo is making up ground through that entire part. It's just not enough. And he's just too far back. And, and you know, if he's closer up, maybe he doesn't have the same kick. So it's hard to, like, play devil's advocate from that perspective. But just too far back, too much ground to make up. Adhamo ran too well. What? It, look at that number. Yeah. 11.31 for the final yeah. furlong. I gotta if, say, if, I, if that stretch was, if they were at Churchill Downs, if he kept that speed up, he might have won. Or I, I, like that's how fast he was going. I do have to say, I, I do, I do have some interest in Temple back, depending on where that horse runs back. I didn't love the Jose Ortiz ride here. He was, he was next to at Hamo in the mm -hmm. back stretch, and and if you look at these incremental pace numbers, he was as fast as Hamo coming home here, except he got in traffic trouble that that quarter there at twenty four point one five, where at Hamo ran at twenty three point two nine. And that was the difference, is that he was not able to get loose when Hama was able to get loose. He yeah. ran home faster than him. He was just a little bit slower the previous quarter. It was that quarter where he got into that trouble there that cost him the ability to be able to really win the race. That's awesome. Uh, listen, moving forward, I think you got to watch where these horses go. Do not – don't take Adamo unless he's facing a bunch of donkeys. And even then, uh, be careful. But, uh, you know, Chad Brown's got a grade one winner here. They're not going to do that. Um, that was it for the, uh, for the Chad Brown train though, because we got to the grade one high school and everybody thought, well, Chad Brown's winning everything. Let's just bet the house on Jack Christopher and Mike. They forgot. They forgot what the magic Mike show kept trying to tell them for forever. Jack Christopher can't go nine furlongs against this field. We thought Tabor was going to get the job done. Mike, what did you think about this race? I'm going to put the replay on and I kind of want you to walk us through you being there live with, you know, we were all fully on the table. He's going to win this race here. Yeah, I mean, this was this was a little wild. I mean, Taba breaks well, um, and he has a, he, he has a chance to go to the lead here if Taba wants to go to the lead. Um, kind of settles in after getting rail position on the one, which I think made sense. Cyberknife could have also shown speed. Cyberknife kind of backs off, lets the seven and eight go out there. I think this is interesting. Jack Christopher's like, okay, I don't want the lead. I want the eight to go. He kind of backs off a little bit, lets the eight cross over. I thought Mike Smith did a really good job of saving rail here. He kept yeah. this rail position the whole time. He's like, hey, I'm just going to sit here. I'm not going to allow my horse to get in any trouble. Um, th this is one of those rides where, and we'll see this when we see how Mike Smith handles this backstretch. Bob Baffert told him he was on the best horse going into this race. That is why he goes four wide when he goes four wide here. He told them, do not get this horse in trouble. He's the best horse in the race. Um, and so it was interesting to, to see this ride when you think about it in that manner, because I, I think that was clearly the directions from Baffert is this is the best horse. Don't get him in trouble. Um, I got to say, though, I thought Table was going to lose by 10 at one point in this race. By the way, he was running when when you go in toward this far turn, it looks like, OK, he's backing up. You see Mike Smith gonna move him out from the rail here. You're going to see Cyberknife come inside. Um, and then you're going to see Tabo start to ask right here and starts to back up a little bit and back up a little bit, and Cyberknife gets on the inside of him, and then Tabo starts to make this move. And it's it's interesting. you got a couple people saying, oh, this is a dull effort from Tabo, no effort from Tabo. One thing I think that we haven't seen from Tabo is the mental progression that you'd like to see from the horse. And I, when, you talk, when Bob Baffert talks about how this horse works in the morning, 
he runs to his competition. He doesn't work great because he works, however, whoever he's working with, he beats them by a nose, by a neck. He doesn't blow them out by multiple lengths, and it makes him look slower in the morning than he necessarily is. When you watch this replay back, watch what happens when he passes Jack Christopher because you're going to see the exact same thing that they've been talking about. This just isn't a focused horse. Now, I don't know if that means you need to add blinkers or what you need to do. I do know he had blinkers when he was in, I think, Sean McCarthy's barn, um, and then Baffert he, took he him He works off. in blinkers a lot of times, yeah. And and maybe that's one of the reasons here, but as Magic, if you want to hit the play button here, you can kind of see... Like, I mean, I thought he was done at this point, by the way. I thought he was kinda, dead in the water. I did too, and then he makes this move right, right here. Right there quarter pull. Where now move? it looks like he's going to win by five. When What's he's dull about that? There is nothing dull about that move that that horse just made to do that. And and then you, you watch when he... He looks like he's going to fly right by everybody. And he gets by Jack Christopher and just slows down. Look, and that's the thing. And he, we stop he, right there. And he literally gets his nose in front, slows down. Then he sees Cyberknife on the inside and re-engages with Cyberknife. And a half a length turns into a head, turns into a nose. And he's ahead of stride after the wire. So to me, this was two issues. First, Smith did not get him engaged in the stretch with all of the horses that were there. Cyberknife kind of snuck up on him. Reminds me a little bit of what we saw uh, in Louisiana when we saw... Um, What's his face? Lose the race that we've Epicenter never. Epicenter lost the Lecompte, yeah. Yeah, when Epicenter lost the Comp, the Compton never should have. Um, it also means Taba needs a little mental aspect. So to me, I mean, it's one of those where, hey, look, Taba ran well. He probably was the best horse in this race. Probably should have won the race. Um, did not engage with the horse to the inside when he didn't see him, and it made the difference because he couldn't make up that extra half length there late and accelerate. And it, the fact that he closed the ground and then was ahead after the wire makes me believe even more. This was more of a mental issue than anything else. Dave Baristas asks, is Mike Smith the best option in California? Only if the other option is magic. Yeah, no. Provide no, your no. horse, because that's just because I can't make weight. Yeah, does a jockey change help? Yeah, I would love to see other jockeys on. Like, I would love to see Sayas, which I don't think he ever rides for Baffert, but he would fit this horse wonderfully in my mind. Oh, shoot. Um, he, he did briefly, Who did, and he was really good at it. Oh, shoot. Who was it? I can't remember. I'll think about it. But, yeah, yeah he's a great one. Saez, John Velasquez, I know, has ridden him in the past. Uh, he, I think he was on the Wire Wire victory. He was the on the Spirit in those exact colors. Yeah, I mean, so there's there's definitely other people I would rather see than Mike Smith on this horse. And, and like, here you have three paths between the horses. You need to put this horse in. You see the Ortiz's yeah. do it. You brought it up all the time. you got to shove indoor there and engage the horse so that they see these other horses, especially one that I'm going to go ahead and say is lazy because I think that's really what this is. It's laziness yeah. on Taba's part. Um, and the fact that, again, the fact that he – re-rallied on Cyberknife is why I fully believe this is the issue here. So uh, we talked about what I said. Remember this move that we saw Flavian Pratt make on the search results coming off the turn, how he cut right in. That's what Mike's talking about. You see the Ortiz brothers do it so well. Um, uh, early voting in the Preakness, when he saw when Jose Ortiz, new epicenter, was coming up the rail, steered right over, and it forced Rosario. I mean, he wasn't catching him anyway, but it forced Rosario to have to alter course a little bit. Uh, watch this move, and you tell me if you don't just cut – as soon as you pass hauling time, cut down on hauling time. You're alongside Jack Christopher. Jack Christopher starts coming in a bit. And then, you, okay, you've got space. Cut over. Cut over. Well, you didn't cut over. Now you didn't see the horse. Now the horse is gone and it's too late. Like, if you were alongside Jack Christopher, you're going to see Cyronite's little nose poke through there and you're going to engage right away. So um, it will be interesting to see if they do blinkers. I know Baffert's only had his hands on him uh, for a couple of weeks and he'll tell anybody who'll listen. No, only touched him for a couple of weeks. Don't know. So... Yeah. Uh, we'll find out about that. Winning margin by a head. Now, here's the thing. The cross-country pick five. I had Cyberknife. 
but tip of the cap to you. If you had hard, if you had um, Frankenstein's our two very cheap tickets, you get Cyberknife here, which Mike didn't have. You get Field the Ariana, which tip the cap to you when Gate to Wire or Woodbine you said was the right move, and it was. Uh, did you have Robin's Sparkles? I honestly don't remember if you did or not. No, I didn't get there, man. No, okay. she was, and we'll, we could talk about the caress if you want to. I mean, that was tough. Hold on, I want to pull up a couple comments. First off, yeah. Tava also broke the track record. By the way, it's just that the track oh record. Oh my gosh! Thank you. Stops. Look at this elapsed yeah. pace. This is so, what Cyberknife finished as the record. That's Taiba's number right there. Yeah, Two hundredths the, of a second. You have the video up, so they can't see it. But Taba goes oh, uh, the comment. <laughs> yeah, Taba Taba also broke the track record. Um, and yeah, I agree with Christopher in this case. It, it is hard to blame Mike Smith. Cyberknife passed him twice. He could have saved ground. I think his directions were to not get the horse in trouble. That's why he steered outside. I think Taba fired. If this is first off a layoff, I'm not sure how you can't be excited with the, the future considerations for this horse. To me, this is one of those things to like when you look at the price, it's wild to me that Jack Christopher was three to five and Taba was two, two to one, two point one to one. You're getting you can't tell me that, that Jack Christopher was three times more likely to win that race. And when you go back and you listen to all of Chad Brown's statements, when he says the sentence, I think Jack Christopher can get a mile and eighth here. What's the problem with that? The word here, you shouldn't have to pick a track. <laughs> if the horse can get a mile and eighth, it can get a mile and eighth. You are basically saying you don't think the horse can get a mile and eighth when you add the word here at the end of that sentence. Yeah, Rant over. It's a great point. <laughs> uh, yeah, he says here because it's supposed to be a, a lightning fast highway. It's like if he was like, it's almost like he knew it was Keeneland at the Breeders' Cup the last time Keeneland had it. Uh, let's shift the focus there because this is a Breeders' Cup when you're in for the classic. Cyberknife punches his ticket. Uh, Brad Cox says if he comes out of this, we're going to the Traverse. I love it. Uh, yep. That Traverse is going to be race of the effing year. I cannot wait for that. Taba, uh, I don't know if they go Traverse. If they do, Baffert can't run him there. Um, I would assume Taba probably either goes I'm a, mm, Pennsylvania Derby or awesome against stakes. Probably, I would say Pennsylvania Derby because then you're facing just straight three-year-olds. A lot of the big three-year-olds aren't going to be targeting that race, right, as they get ready for the Breeders' Cup. Yeah, I would say underneath card derby, then possibly Pacific Classic, then Breeders' Cup Classic for Taba, something like that, um, so somewhere in that manner. Uh, maybe the awesome again, and then the Pacific Classic, Breeders' Cup Classic. But I, I would assume you're going to face Olders in California before the Breeders' Cup. Um, and this is this is Baffert's best horse. He just said to everybody, this is my best horse, by running him here in the Haskell as his return to the, the spotlight inside of horse racing. So do with that what you will. I mean, I, I know we all have our own opinions about Baffert, and I, I don't – Love seeing him win, but I also don't want to lose money. So I realize I have to bet him in certain circumstances. And I think Tabe is probably his best horse. Um, Cyberknife, all the credit in the world to Cyberknife, which, by the way, was the buzz horse from the Brad Cox barn this time last year. This was supposed to be his best two-year-old into the three-year-old season. Uh, it, it, if you go back and listen to Aaron talk about Cyberknife getting the distance and in some of those Arkansas races, he was high on that horse going into the Derby until the post-draw happened. Yeah, Cyberknife turned into a very nice horse. Like I, I don't want to take anything away from Cyberknife here, especially if you look at those incremental fractions. What he did in the middle of that race to get inside, save position, and then try and make that run was pretty impressive. So um, I, I don't want to say like, hey, Cyberknife, Tabe blew this, and Cyberknife just got handed it. Cyberknife ran a damn good race to win this race, um, and there probably is a little more upside in Cyberknife as well. We've seen Brad Cox do very well with three year olds, progressing throughout the year. So it'd be great to see Cyberknife in the Haskell. Yeah, he was the uh, all you, you outlined how Brad Cox had just had so much faith in him, and he just was one of those horses. He's, if you take off the one clunker he threw up in the comp where Cox was like, I have no idea what the hell that was, that wasn't Cyberknife. 
Uh, and then you scratch off the Derby because, of course, you should. This horse is a really solid, really solid three-year-old. He's a son of gun runner going to the Breeders' Cup. So uh, that's a great one uh, to end on for Monmouth Park. Let's go to Saratoga for Saturday because even though we only had four or sorry five horses and you could only do win-place betting, Ness versus Secret Oath was starting to look like an epic, epic fight as they're going. Well, let's just put the replay up because uh, I don't know about you. Jared and I were watching this live together for the reaction for the channel. There was a certain point where we both got like chills and then they just kind of disappeared and we were like, all right, well, this fortified bet that we made on Ness is going to catch. Yeah, it looked like this was going to be really fun for a, a good, you know, 30 seconds here in the backstretch. And then when they went into the turn, Ness just like, nope, I'm going to eat your lunch. Bye bye. You know, and it's one of those interesting spots where when Secret Oath did not get to the throat latch, you knew it was over. Right. You, it, we, on that far turn. Secret Oath has to, because Secret Oath's made these monster moves consistently on the far turn. And right here, you see her start to make that move. And if she doesn't go by, then it's just over. And, and she never is able to get by. She gets up to maybe the neck, and Secret Oath repels that challenge. And now you can tell that she's going to win by five. Like, you just know at this point you're not yep. going to get that duel because she reopened immediately on Secret Oath when Secret Oath came up to her. So really impressive by Nest. This was one of those where it was – the distance was a question because it's shorter, which is ironic here for Ness. You saw that obviously the Belmont, she loved every bit of that mile and a half. Um, going to be interested to see what, what you do with Ness here going forward. Um, there's some Travers talk, which I don't really believe myself, but you never know, especially with Modonagal out. Maybe the connections want to go to the Travers here. Um, and then the question is Breeders' Cup distaff or Breeders' Cup Classic. I would expect Breeders' Cup distaff, but we'll see what happens there. But this was this was a phenomenal performance by her. Uh, Secret Oath, the horse I can't get right, man. Like I, this is so <laughs> frustrating. This horse to me, I just I cannot get that horse right. Uh, but Mike Morgan, sorry, we good? Oop, did you just mute yourself. Sorry, there we go. No, I I don't know. Listen, Mike and I have the same microphone now, so I'm still learning it the way he had. It. Uh, okay. So what I want to say about this race is exactly what Jason put in the chat. Just going nuts at the finish. I mean, this was like the Ashland Stakes at Keeneland, where I just went ape shit when she turned it on in the stretch. She's so fun. Um, I'm with you, Mike. I'm. A, I don't think Travers is where they should go with her. Uh, you know, she did a great job to get second to Mo Donegal. But that was without Epicenter, without Zandon, without Cyberknife, without, you know, all of these great horses. So uh, Alabama stakes. Uh, D. Wayne's down for a rematch, going a mile and a quarter. Nest is down. Todd Fletcher's down as long as they come out of it. Okay. Who the, who the F shows up for that besides those two? Like, does Chad Summers have a horse that he just throws in for some graded black type? I don't know. I mean, this is this. There's there, the three-year-old Philly class has been whittled down pretty quickly here, hasn't it? Like, <laughs> are you gonna see Kathleen O up there? I mean, like, who else are we gonna send up to Saratoga here to try and get the Milan Court? I think it's really gonna be these two are gonna be the main headliners, and I would be surprised if Nest is in two to five, and surprised if Nest doesn't win by five, right? Yeah, it's it, it's unfortunate that it's. I'm, I'm. This is weird. I wish the Alabama was open olders because now I just want to see Nest and Mallet that already. Well, let's throw Claire here. Like, let's just throw these in. Uh, into the, I guess that's a good way to segue over to the uh, to Sunday's race, the Shuby Stakes. I'm gonna guess was that race five as well on Saturday on Sunday? Yeah, uh, it was. God bless you, Saratoga, for being predictable. Uh, Malathat and Clarier in the Shuby Stakes. This was a four horse field. First of all, Clarier and Malathat. What a freaking rivalry these two have, man. This is a fun pair to watch. Well, I mean, you, Malathat has to win if it's a rivalry, right? I mean, she, she won a bunch last year. Yeah, last year. What have you done for me lately, Malathat? Oh, run second. That's what you've done for me lately. Uh, look, no excuse here for Malathat. Again, and it, it never looked like at any point in this race Malathat was winning. 
She broke poorly. She's three wide here. Clarier looks like she's moving better. Crazy Beautiful looks like she's moving better for the mass majority of this race than Malafat. Malafat doesn't like to win. I mean, we just have to accept that fact at this point, right? Because the, the she should have won the Breeders' Cup Distaff last year and completely choked that one off. She had a beautiful setup last time out, completely choked that race off. There's no way Clarier should have beaten her last time. And this race, she doesn't look good running at any point. Never. Never in this race does she look like she's going to win. Tell me at what point you think Malafat's going to win this race. There's not a single one. No, you're right. You're absolutely Clarier would have won by four if Rosario didn't get her in trouble in a four-horse field. Let's also like focus on the fact that he had to check twice and then veer to the inside to be able to get room and still won by a length and a half over her. Uh, bless, yeah, bless John Imbriali too, because in the call he was saying, Oh, it, she's looking hard to handle. And I'm like, No, she's not. She's looking pissed off at who's handling her. Yeah, that, that's it. Like, look here, you're like, Mouth that's making her move. And you're like, Is she? Is she really making a move? Because it looks like she can't pass the one. <laughs> like, and then Rosario's like, Oh, okay, I'm gonna go right over here. And it's like, Oh, wait, nope, nope I'm gonna have to check. Go, nope, on top of Crazy Beautiful. Yeah. Nope, okay, on top nope. of Crazy Beautiful. Okay, up on top of Crazy Beautiful. Okay, okay, yeah. inside of Crazy oh. Beautiful. Okay. Yeah. And as soon as he goes inside, this is over. I mean, like, right. there's no way Malathot's going to run these down at this point. And Malathot's struggling to get by Crazy Beautiful here until the last furlong. And Clarier just don't keep banging on her. Clarier's like, get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just, I, it's one of those, I have no interest in betting Malathot back pretty much ever at this point. I mean, like last year during the three-year-old season, she was very good, was winning. These last races have been good. But she's just not to Clarier's level. Yep. And are we really going to say that Clarier is the best older filly in the country right now? No, well, like a, she's it's not. a decent debate. I mean, we've got a great division for it. You've got we talked about Latruska, uh, CC. If she wants to go to turn, we don't know what they're gonna do with her. Uh, she dares the devil. Um, look at I paused it this way because uh, Steve Asmussen said something that last year when they were uh in the paddock with Clarier and they would see Malathat, they're like, God, Malathat is so big. And he said, we were in the paddock for this race. I looked over at Malathat, and I looked at my fill, and I went, okay, we're the same size now. Like, we're ready for this. We felt really good about that. Um, I'm not going to say that she was going to beat Clarier either way because Clarier just looked – the way she pinned her ears and she looked unbeatable. But Malathat was adding blinkers. Uh, Pletcher was trying to experiment a little bit with that to see if it would change up the fact that she kind of hangs a bit. And he also said that going over from the paddock, she was it, dull, not herself, uh, didn't seem like – you know, like she was having any fun. Uh, I'd be curious to see, if, you know, do we see Malathat again for a while? Does she need a break? Maybe she was sick. Uh, you know, I don't think that the blinkers or anything like that was going to stop her from, you know, was stopping her from beating Clarier. But just an interesting couple of notes from the uh, from the race there. Yeah, I think the size is interesting, especially as we talked about how she was, Malathat was bigger than all of her competition at three. And now at four, she's not. Yep. I, that's obviously going to give you a disadvantage when you're going these longer routes. You want the bigger, more muscular horse in a lot of cases. And now that Clarier is the same size as Malathat, it's interesting. That, well, not the same. You can see Malathat's still a little bit bigger there. But Clarier has gotten a lot closer to Malathat in that sense, and the tables have turned now twice in a row. Yeah. Uh, as Kevin says, yeah, I hope they all show up to the personal ensign next. Uh, God, I just love watching these uh, these older fillies. It's, it's fun. Uh, well, hopefully, like I said, hopefully Malathat keeps going. So the debate now. Uh, do you take Mest, Nest? Do you take Clarier? Who's your pick right now as the division leader, like for the Breeders' Cup Distaff? Well, I, I look to me, this is so pace dependent, this division, because for my money, going two turns, Latrusta is still the best horse in the country if she gets loose. Now, does she get loose ever again? That is the question, right? With search results, who's hanging out here now? Uh, search results, such as the chat. 
uh, can clearly go with Latruska. However, it didn't look like that was the plan going a mile and 16th at Belmont. If you remember that race, they were trying to slow search results down the entire time, and then she stalked this time going two turns. So it'll be interesting to see moving forward if that's the case. Latruska on an easy lead is still the best older filly in the country. Now, an easy lead for Latruska can be 22-4, and 46-4. Four, and four. Let's keep that in mind. It doesn't have to be 24-48. She's never yeah. getting that, but she doesn't need that to still be very good. I don't think we can just dismiss her based off of the fact that she got cooked by search results, right? And that's really what happened that last race. Um, Malathat completely out of the conversation for me now. Nest has definitely entered the conversation. I, I, I can't I can't leave Secret Oath at the top tier. And Clarier, I think you have to respect the heck out of her right now. So to me, it's it's really Nest, uh, Clarier, and uh, Latruska that, that, that start the conversation. And then you go from there. All right, Mike, you want to head to Del Mar? I think that uh, cover. Oh, wait, no. We got one more for Saratoga to talk about, the uh, the caress sticks. Let me bring that up here. Uh, if you're watching this live or the replay, hold on one second. Here we go. So this caps off the cross-country pick five, which, by the way, uh, I had a lot of fun doing. Even though we didn't hit, I, I that was a lot of fun. So if you liked it and wants to do it again, let us know. Uh, Robin Sparkles, the New York Fred Mike, she steps up. She goes gate to wire. Did not see this coming at all. 21 to 1 is part of the $11,000-plus payout for a 50-cent base bet in that cross-country pick five. Yeah, look, um, there are races you could point to and say Robin Sparkles could do this. Uh, tough to think she was going to do it this day because they're a little farther back. But there are definitely other races where you thought she could go gate to wire. This one was really like, look, Claire Caravelle on the one. You have no idea. This is a cross out. Complete chuck this race. I mean, she doesn't break very well. She rushes up and then there's just a ton of trouble around the far turn. You'll see her completely check out of the race. So for me, this is just a draw a line through for the one Caravelle here. Um about time, I think, had really the no-excuse trip here. I'm surprised that the three wasn't able to run better. Miss J. McKay and Caraville both had a ton of trouble, so they're both that you could bet back if you'd like to do that next time oh, out. There she goes. Bye-bye, Yeah, just out of it. And then Miss J. McKay, too. So the two of them, just, just forget yeah. about it. Um, there was a lot of horses that were making up a lot of ground late here and just not able to get the job done. Watch the seven here. I, we played this horse, Lady Edith. This is the second time out. This is right, right there. Books in the back, right? This there. is the second time out of the Clement Barn, second time McCarthy runs into a pocket and right here, like ready to make a move, starts to do it, gets cut off by the eight, then ducks to the inside of the horse and it opens up a little bit and then has to duck in again, tries to go out here and then finally gets loose right here outside the nine, but inside the eight and makes a nice move toward the wire. Um, I have some interest in the seven back. Cause I think if the seven got rolling a little bit earlier, the result could have been a little bit different. Only misses by a half length was 12 to one in that spot it was 12 to one. The first time out, I think lady Edith has some talent. I stabled her up after this race, actually stabled up before this race. Um, but I, I kept her in the stable. She's one that I do think is going to eventually win one of these races. Uh, she was 15 to one there. Uh, hopefully she, her price doesn't plummet too much there. I, I know that especially a meet like Saratoga in a stakes race, the trip notes, people come out and, and we're all, I mean, you should do trip notes, but everybody's not everybody. A lot of people are going to see something like this or, or become hyped. So just be a little careful, uh, with lady Edith, but Mike, you definitely were right about her performance in this spot. Uh, 15 to one, um, boy, poor Caravelle. She was what she was nine for 10 turf sprinting against females coming into this race. Yeah, but I mean, she never had a chance. I mean, it was no. just she missed the break a little bit, but in a five and a half turf sprint, that matters. And then yeah. that check hard around, it's like she's just no chance after that. And I, they, she was under wraps too. She finishes last, but there was no real big time effort after that check. Uh, <laughs> the only thing in horse racing currently in California is magic. Uh, listen, oh, we don't have to talk about too much, but I got the hat on. You want to talk about Tis a magician? 
I mean, sure. We can talk about Tisman. Oh, wait, we but... didn't talk about Del Mar at all. I guess we should talk about Del Mar. It's a nice second-place finish there. I, I mean, Del Mar was wild this weekend. We can talk about Hector Berrios winning the stakes on Sunday at 30-1. to 1. That was kind of fun. I mean, the um, guy that became a joke because Jared said, my boy, and then said his name wrong because he didn't even know who the guy was. Yeah, he wins his stakes in California. Good for him. We mentioned he was going to be there on the Thursday show and watch out for Hector Berrios because he mm-hmm. makes, I think it was the, the dudes who bet daily that we mentioned it on. He gets bombs home when, when you're watching Florida, and he did a good job there at Del Mar in the opening weekend of, of taking his, moving his horses forward compared to what their odds were. I mean, yeah, he got Marcelo Polanco a stakes win at Del Mar. Uh, That's pretty good. That's pretty good for him. Uh, the big race over the weekend, the grade two San Clemente stakes. And uh, if you weren't paying attention to California racing in the spring, Phil D'Amato won a bunch of races on turf. So what does he do in the grade two race going mile and eighth? He sweeps the trifecta, Mike Bella Bell's 16 Arches Island of Love. The one big surprise out of this was 16 Arches. You see there, 36 to 1 was actually the second longest shot in the field. Abel Cedillo, uh, with a pretty surprising run there, a lot of people discounting him. Uh, this horse really had to show a lot and seemed to finally get a good trip, but Bella Bell wins by two. Is she the best three-year-old on turf in California? Um, yeah, I think she has to be at this point. I mean, this was a wide-open race. I I do want to say I, I kind of like Lady T out of this a little bit. I don't know if you, you've watched the replay. Work, though, because I like her going back to dirt. I, I don't mind her on turf. I, I I felt like this was just a real tough race. I don't love the ride from Espinosa, so I'm sure you'd happily pile on there. Um, but faced early sure. pace pressure pace pressure then got loose a little bit and like looked weird running the whole time. I have not watched enough of Lady T's races to like, is this how Lady T always runs with like her head up and like back a little bit. But when you watch the replay, she makes the lead breaks out a little bit. Uh, then the 11 causes a ton of trouble around the backstretch. Cause the one and the four are pretty much flying out here, but it looks like they're going to be able to slow it down in the second quarter. And this 11 horse who's right now four wide moving up in the pink hat, pink silks, uh, black silks, pink sleeves, comes out to the outside, and usually what you see here is horses just chill, right? You got the four-wide move. Okay, I'm going to chill here. I don't want to press the pace now. And then this horse just takes off, the 11 horse, as, as soon as they exit the turn. And all of a sudden, Lady T is facing a ton of pressure here from the 11 as well. The 11 ends up making the lead. And here is you can see tr- the one's jockey trying to slow Lady T down and the, her head's up and, like, just not running clean. You'll see it even more into the turn where it almost looks like he loses an iron or something. Uh she ends up putting fourth and reclosing off of this effort, which I thought was pretty interesting. So I, I think there's a little more there than what you saw in this race. Went off the three to one favor here, which I was kind of surprised about, though. Yeah, she and Bella Bell both three to one there. Um, this, uh, yeah, the lucky girl was the, the eleven horse you're talking about was one of the Baltus horses that uh, Richie Baltus isn't allowed to train in California anymore. So um, that's one of his former horses. So you know, it's good to see that they are look, still. Look uh, at the jockey well. on the one right now, basically sitting. Like it just looks funky. Yeah. Like it just it looks like something wasn't quite right in the turn. You think the horse is going to back up, and all of a sudden you see a, a, an effort here from the one coming down the lane. It was a good but, effort. The reason I say to, uh, back on dirt, I'm really well, worried that because she for her turf debut was bet down to three to one co favoritism, and she didn't embarrass herself. I'm just worried about playing her again. Uh, I guess in a turf race, man, that eight closed up a ton of ground. Can you go back? Go back to the start of the stretch too. Because I want to look at the 11. This is one of the things I'm taking out of this race. Uh, the eight horse, the four horse, or I'm sorry, the one horse, the eight horse, I think the five horse too. Watch the 11 uh, once the, the, the uh, six makes the lead here. Okay, so the, the six comes up the rail. The 11 right. is going to veer out. It's going to affect the one, the yep. four, the five, and then the eight. All, all Whoa, of them. Yeah. 
And then all of them, some of them reclose here, but the the 11's not going to get taken down because they all beat the 11. But all of those horses had significant trip trouble, which allowed the six to win in a much easier fashion. I think the six probably wins anyway. But the eight, especially there, and the, the four and the one all took severe damage there down the stretch and caused them to finish worse than they would have. And caused Lucky Girl to be disqualified from fifth to ninth because of the uh, because of all that interference there. Um, but, you know, one of the horses that did affect me there, I don't think was winning, but uh, the four-horse Tesere was one that I thought was going to be pretty interesting there. So, uh, you know, but at least if you like the horse out of this race, watch the trips, watch where they're going to go next. A lot of these fillies are going to keep fighting each other uh, in Southern California at Del Mar. All right, let's go talk about Tis the Magician real quick. I saw somebody in the chat was asking about it, so I feel like we have to bring it up. I mean, we both own a, a small piece of a single tail, tail hair, so I might as well talk about it. He's going back into the Cougar 2 handicap, his mile and a half race. We haven't seen him uh, since November at the Breeders' Cup Marathon race. I'm going to skip ahead because it was a pretty boring race. His most mile and a half races are for a while. Um, I was, you know, some things that I liked, Mike, he looked like the old Tiz Magician and that his fight outweighs his talent. So, you know, his heart is bigger than his actual ability. Um are we in the final turn here? Oh, no, yeah. we're on the backstretch again. Okay, well, let me speed this up a little bit. Uh, Haywood's Beach, when I saw how closely he sat and how comfortable Ramon Vasquez looked early, I knew we were going to be in trouble. We were going to be in for a fight here. But what I love about him is that he, he even when he gets past, you're going to see Tiz and Magician keep fighting. And he held on for a second, and every horse that was chasing him had a, the race advantage on him already. So he had plenty <laughs> of excuses to give up and not keep trying, but he did it, Mike. And one of the most confident looks I've ever seen from a jockey right there. Ramon Vasquez, a whole big wheel in his head around, like, who's coming? I got this horse put away. <laughs> and, and like you said, Tiz fought back. I thought Tiz was going to lose to this three horse by five, six lengths when Ramon Vasquez did that. Um, and and he, he dug in, and like I think you put it wonderfully. The horse has more heart than talent. And uh, you can tell he loves to run. He loves to compete. Uh, and just, you know, better horse today. The three was just better, right? Yeah. And, and I thought it was impressive that he stayed within length of the three horse there. Yeah, just second best, and really, there's. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that if you're being realistic. I didn't see what his buyer was. What did he get? Well, I got a 90. It wasn't a great looking. Uh, there've been better looking Cougar two handicaps like the one he won last year. Um, we'll see what they do with him next. Last year they used this as a, winning this race to go to the Pacific Classic because where else were they going to take him this year? You go to the Pacific Classic. You've got Flightline. You've got Country Grammar. Maybe Taba. Uh, Haywood's Beach is going to go there. I don't know if I want to go there. I would probably just keep him long. I mean, look, the horse is better going a mile, mile and a half. I, I, I would be pointing to the mile and a half Breeders' Cup race and working back from there. But that's the thing. There are only a couple of these, like, really long dirt races in the year. It's like, that's why he went Pacific Classic. They're like, it's the farthest yeah. he can go. Yeah, they might as well throw him in there then. I mean, it, it's a paid workout in that sense, where even if you run fifth, you're getting more than working out, and you, you want to get one more in him before the Breeders' Cup. So and I think the, the goal is that mile and a half race at the Breeders' Cup, right? I mean, that's yeah. long-term yeah. for him. I think they wanted to see a bigger effort out of him here and, uh, you know, maybe go to the – at this point, he's five, and he loves to run, and he's sound. He's probably going to get snipped. Uh, there's no point in – that. this was kind of like the last-ditch effort, I think. It's like, if he does well here, he was saying the Pacific Classic last next last year, if he can win it this year. Uh, the problem is last year's field is probably the second worst I've seen in the last 10 years, and this year is just looking like a top three in terms of talent. So We're going to have some fun races coming home here. I mean, the, the, the – 
between Saratoga and Del Mar, these next four weeks, five weeks, we're going to have some phenomenal races. I mean, like we're talking about the Pacific Classic. I mean, obviously the Travers looks amazing. Like you're just going to have some really good races. And we're just talking about the dirt too. There's going to be some fun, Philly, fun turf races as well up here at Saratoga and down at Del Mar. How about the payouts at Del Mar all weekend? Man, I, like, we always talk about how Del Mar is a hit one and you're up for the meet. I had $383,000 pick five in the opening weekend. I mean, just some monster numbers coming back. Uh, there was a million-dollar horse at Saratoga in the pick five. I mean, we were talking about early pick five carrying in a text thread one time. So just monster, monster payouts uh, both at Saratoga and Del Mar. Makes it tough. But, man, if you get to one, uh, you're good, right? <laughs> you know who uh, You know who had a really good Del Mar opening weekend? Uh, Aaron Halterman. Look at this. Yeah, and it was in the chat. Right. Uh, let's see if I can find it in the chat because it was very nice of you to bring it up. Uh, Aaron Halterman completely crushed it at Del Mar. I mean, opening day, he had like the – he went four for the first five. He had the top winners. Um, he gave out Kid Corleone as a long shot play on Dudes Who Bet Sports. It was the free pick winner, and I think he was 10-to-1 morning line and won it 8-to-1, so you still got – a lot of there it is, Martin. Martin wants to know who put up the free picks on Friday for Del Mar, helped him hit the early pick five. That's awesome. Uh, but if you're not, if you're listening to the podcast, I'll tell you, Aaron Haltman, the winnings just from the opening weekend at Del Mar, $10,913.60. It's not bad. Damn impressive. Not bad. Look at the pick three numbers, man. That's that's where it came back. Yep. Seven grand in pick three. By the way, if you ever do want to know the racing dudes, how we're doing with Aaron's premium product picks. Um, all you have to do is go to racingnews.com, click on the free picks, and then find the tracks that you want to go to. We have all that information out there. We'll tell you what we're good at and what we're not good at. It's updated uh, automatically by a system that we paid for, so we couldn't fudge the numbers if we were smart enough, which if you watch the Magic Mike show, you know at least one of us is not smart enough to do that. <laughs> uh, so where are we going this weekend? Uh, we got, uh, the, we'll got we be back on Thursday for the Magic Mike. It's actually a busy week, so everyone who's still hanging out with us, thank you very much. Uh, Dudes Who Bet Daily will be back Wednesday through Sunday this week. Hopefully we can get some more winners home there. Um, and then we've got the Thursday show for Magic Mike. Where do you want to head? Do you want to do cross-country pick five again? Do you want to do a late pick four sequence? What are you feeling? Let's do cross-country pick five. That was fun. I like it because we can do different tracks. We get like the bigger races. It, when it was just you and I and like, a, like 30 people listening, it's like, yeah, let's do one we think we're just going to be easy to hit. Now let's do what the fans want to do, the big races. All right, all right. We'll do the cross-country pick five then for this weekend. So make sure you get your handicapping tools out and get that fired up. We'll be back five to six. We're not getting kicked off our time this week. We'll be there. Freaking blinkers off. Um, so we'll be ready for that for the cross country pick five for this weekend. Then again, dudes about sports Monday or Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. A uh, ton of Del Mar talk, ton of Saratoga talk. That's noon Eastern every day. Make sure you're checking that as well. It's been fun to see that literally quadruple in size in three weeks. The number of people that are involved in the chat and watching it. So make sure you're checking that out as well. It was was Friday or Saturday show. Saturday show we swept it right. We went four yeah. four for four with the top picks. Uh, most days we're winning ones, and we keep Mike keeps track of all the units and everything like that. So. Uh, it's a lot of fun. We'd love to see. Even if you're not a sports better, we'd love to see you just kind of hang out. And we have the tournament. The next Racing Dudes tournament is this Friday, Mike. Uh, it's going to be – I'm excited because it's the first one that's going to have Del Mar involved with it. So uh, figure out who Barrios Hector is riding at Del Mar and pick those horses on turf. But Shoddy's ready. I've been getting some subscribers, email friends of ours, Mike. They're all excited for this tournament. Tell the people they don't know what it is. Yeah, we, we do a tournament every other Friday, 10 bucks to enter. We seed the pool with $150 in, in horse tourney site credit. So the highest scoring subscriber gets 150 bucks extra on top of it, which makes it actually a huge value to play, too. You enter up to three times if you'd like to to try and take down that 150 bucks. Then there's cash prizes that pay out generally based on the horse tourney's schedule. Uh, we've been getting about you know anywhere from 25 to 35 people in here. So pretty darn good shot at a free 150 bucks if you're a subscriber to any of the products that Racing Dudes, be it the $70 a month product, the premium picks, up to the 
Osama bombs, the rockets, whatever it is, you get it in that tourney. And we do a live show that covers it as well. So make sure you join us on Friday afternoon for that live show. And to me, one of the coolest parts is you're also playing the big tourneys of the day. So if you've never played tournaments before and you're trying to, to adjust your strategy and learn how to play and when do I play long shots, when am I playing favorites, you can compare your results to the results in the $15,000 cash tournament or the NHC qualifier, or the BCBC qualifier, which are some of those big-time tournaments which gives you shots at big-time scores. So highly recommend you doing that. We're about two weeks away from the spa and surf as well. If anyone wants to try and get in that, there are $28 qualifiers going on right now into the $147 main event qualifier. Uh, it's a, I think it's 2,500 to enter. Going to fly over the $400,000 guarantee. One of my favorite tournaments of the year because it's Saturday and Sunday, every race at Saratoga, every race at Del Mar, every race at Saratoga, every race at Del Mar. So you get about 40 contest races. You're playing every race as a mandatory against everyone else in this contest who's playing every race as a mandatory. So it really forces you to handicap and figure out, okay, when am I going to play favorites? When am I going to play long shots? When am I sprinkling that five to one? Uh, so that's one of my favorites of the year. That's the 6th and 7th of August. Uh, there's been some, uh, some asking here from uh, Alex and some, some Jim Dandy talk that is this weekend here. Uh, let's talk about it real quick. Uh, Alex brings up, what do we think the Jim Dandy odds are going to look like? Uh, well, here's what we got. Five horses right now. Zandon at the center, early voting, Tawny Port, Ethereal Road. And as Kevin brings up, Slim uh, interviewed Steve Asmussen about Epicenter, and Asmussen seems pretty reticent about it. He keeps saying the Traverse is the goal. So, uh, yeah, odds, and what do you think about this field initially? Oh, man, it, it's tough because Epicenter is the best horse in this race. I firmly believe that, even though, you know, obviously he lost early voting last time. I think we start to have to give respect, some respect to Tony Port, who's looked pretty darn good the last couple races. Interesting to see him here in the Jim Dandy after winning. I think it was the Indiana Derby that he won uh, over White Barrio. However, White Barrio coming back doesn't really flatter him in that sense. I, there's not a ton of pace pressure here for early voting. Ohio Derby. I'm sorry, not Indiana. My bad. I forget. I that wondered wrong. if I could be a snarky little bitch without uh, saying anything, and I can. Awesome. All <laughs> those, all those middle, middle America derbies blown for fun. Yeah. The funny That's thing. Yeah, never mind. I was going to say, well, it is at Indiana Grand. That's why I thought it was that. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's not even at Indiana Grand. Never mind. It's Prairie Meadows. Whatever. One of those course tracks. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah, look. Prairie Meadows in Iowa. Yeah, I'm all over the place. Um, I don't see any pace pressure for early voting. So I would assume that early voting, I would make early voting the favorite. I would probably set something at early voting somewhere around 6 to 5, 7 to 5, somewhere in that range. Then Epicenter. Two to one, Zandon five to two, two to one. I mean, the thing is, it's instantly five horse field, and Ethereal Road should take no money because there's zero pace in here. You really shouldn't expect a very good price on any three of any of the three of them. So let's say early voting's four to five, Epicenter's six to five, Zandon's two to one, Tawny Port's five to one, and Quality Roads or Ethereal Road is eight to one, ten to one, something like that. I'm not great at the odds guessing. I was really good at guessing what Tis the Magician's odds were going to be. Said <laughs> at three to five, maybe four to five. Thistle down, yeah. No, I was having fun letting you spin. We're gonna get there eventually, man. <laughs> start naming all the middle tracks that you bet on Tuesdays. You'll get there eventually. Um, yeah, it's gonna be tough for early uh, to stop early voting because I don't see. I mean, if Epicenter goes, early voting is gonna press him. Um, I don't know. This is gonna be interesting because we're going a mile and six. Jim Dandy, mile and, no, mile and eight for the Jim Dandy. Um, oof. You know what? I'm gonna stick with Epicenter. Look, I'm if, if, epicenter because goddamn it, I'm going to get that money back from the Derby somehow. If he was cranked, that epicenter is the best horse in this race, right? Because epicenter is going. To, there's no way. God, is, is Rosario on him, or this was that the the train wreck of a trip he had in the previous? Mm -hmm. um, hey, like, there's no way he's that far back. 
to what he was in the Preakness. And if, if, if he's better than early voting, if he is a length within a length of early voting. Um, but we'll see what actually happens when they run the race because that's that matters, right? If but he, yeah, if I mean, he gets that far back from the Preakness, I might scream and jump out that window right there. Yeah, that would be pretty frustrating. I, it's gonna be interesting to see the Jim Danny and the, we have the curling on Friday as well. I haven't seen the probables for the curling yet, but it'll be interesting to see how big that field is. There's always that talk about why are these two separate races for three year olds run on Friday and Saturday. Um, so we'll see what happens, but it's, it's gonna be a fun Saturday nonetheless. Uh, I'll be at the track Saturday, pretty excited about that as well. That is exciting. Uh, I gotta get down to Del Mar at some point soon, gotta figure that out. Um, I usually go into his magician runs and he loses, so I figured if I stayed away on Sunday, he was all locked to win. But hey, listen, we're gonna be back with the cross country pick five. Uh, which will be Saturday. That's going to be covering all sorts of graded stakes action across the country. And as Mike reminded before, the Racing Dudes Tournament is on Friday. We'll have the live show Friday, but make sure you're staying tuned to us. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at Curtis Kellward. He is at SummerBomb18, number one, number eight, Corporate Overlords, at Racing underscore Dudes. Any final thoughts before we get out of here, Mike? No. Excited for the weekend. Should be another fun one. Uh, make sure you're checking out all the, all the live stuff we're doing here. It's a blast doing those shows. It's a lot of fun giving out the best bets. Hopefully we can keep those rolling. Uh, make sure you check out the previews. we got all the previews coming here for this weekend. I know Aaron's busy with, I think, four or five of them. I've got three of them. Jared's got a couple as well. It's another busy stakes week, weekend. And, and look, I'm going to say this again. Delmar and Saratoga, very tough tracks. You're looking to get one or two big-time pick X sequences home. Don't get frustrated by some of these bombs coming in and like, hey, I'm never hitting that. Look, almost no one's ever hitting a $383,000 pick five, right? You got to just kind of stick to your guns, stick to your handicapping, trust yourself, try and connect in one or two tickets a meet, and you're going to make some money. Well said. Until next time, I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. Good luck this week. We'll see you for all the fun stuff over racingnews.com and youtube.com slash racing. See you, bye. This has been a presentation of RacingDudes.com, your destination for all things horse racing and sports betting. Whether you want free winners, expert insider picks, up-to-the-minute trackside weather reports, or podcasts and videos for bettors of all skill levels, never make another wager without visiting the Racing Dudes first.